Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Welcome to Mortification of Spin. I'm Amy Bird, and I'm here with my co-host, Carl Truman, professor at Grove City College in Pennsylvania. However, we are missing our co-host, Todd Pruitt. Um, Todd and I are having a hard time being in the same room together right now, so we had to record a couple podcasts where uh, we, we could keep our distance. So it's just Carl and I today, but we have an interesting pre-discussion we want to kick off the podcast with, and and this is a new, a new discovery for Carl, a new line of products for slowing down male aging. And so maybe uh, Carl and Todd can start a new series where they, they review some products for us. Carl was gifted some anti-aging cream. <laughs> Don't know if that's a hint. <laughs> What you got there, Carl? Well, uh, I mean, for some time now, it's been well known that Todd and I are, are sort of icons of male grooming and we get a lot of people emailing us asking for for grooming tips what sort of eau de cologne to use etc etc well my my beloved teaching assistant from the place where i used to work uh, recently bought me as a as a birthday present some of keel's age defender cream moisturizer I've actually been using on my face now for about five weeks i barely recognize you anymore I know. well you look great uh, i I, te- I tell you this <laughs> I tell you, this is an absolutely true story. I was using this for three or four weeks, and I was in the faculty coffee lounge at Grove City College, and somebody called security and had me removed <laughs> because they thought I was a they thought I was some high school kid visiting <laughs> the prospective student and had wandered into a faculty only area. So powerful stuff. This is good stuff. Once a day, I would say, you know, okay, I'm I'm a I'm a 29-year-old who could pass for 25. <laughs> I look like a 16-year-old when I use this. This is remarkable stuff. So well, I would say to any listeners out there, Keel's Age Defender Cream Moisturizer, as recommended by my teaching assistant, Unjin Kim. Remarkable product. Quite well, remarkable. and I'd also like to point out how manly it looks. Um, it's, bl- oh, yeah. it's a black container. And, I mean, just, just calling it Age Defender. Oh, yeah. yeah. We don't see that on women's products so much. And it has this kind of symbol on it that looks like something, you know, that a Navy SEAL might have on their official uniform <laughs> or something like that. So, <laughs> so you don't have to worry about this. There's nothing effeminate about this product at all. It's very masculine, very masculine. Very, very flavoring, masculine. Um, and just enhances, you know, your natural rugged good look. So Because men uh, also need to fight aging. They do. They do. I, I mean, I'm, I'm an absolute convert. I don't travel anywhere now without my little tub of Age Defender. Okay, great. Well, that's a good review. And uh, we're happy to recommend the Age Defender to our listeners. And maybe MOS can come out with our inline one day. But um, let's go on to our, our real topic for today, our, our more serious topic for today. And I, I saw an interesting article um, when I was going through my Twitter feed. And it was at a a blog called Spoiled Milk, um, Spencer Robinson's blog, I believe. And he was interviewing Dr. Drew Johnson on the topic of devotional time because he's saying that, you know, seminary students, they're advised that in 
addition to their biblical studies, they shouldn't neglect their devotional time, their quiet time with God. And so the question was, is this the best approach, uh, the best way for anyone really to grow spiritually? Like, should we have, you know, 10 minutes scheduled quiet time a day? Um, and, and Dr. Drew Johnson kind of challenged that saying that why can't we incorporate our biblical studies into our devotional time? Um, maybe we're conditioned to do these like small sips in 10 minutes. And he says a lot of seminary students, especially, you know, coming in aren't always very biblically literate. So these small sips that they're taking in their devotional time, um, if they don't have a good grasp on the whole biblical story, uh, maybe it's, it's not really helping their biblical literacy um, to be focusing on secondary parts of scripture so much. Um, and maybe that's not the best way to grow spiritually. So what do you think, Carl? I thought it was a very interesting article. Uh, we were talking about this before we came, before we started recording. I think to an extent that if I had a criticism of it, it would be that, it, and, it, and he may just have been being provocative in doing this, it, it set things up as a little bit either or. Mm -hmm. you know, Either you're reading a small bit of the Bible or you're reading a big chunk and you prefer to read a big chunk or mm -hmm. either you're having your, you know, your 10 minute quiet time or you can pray throughout the day as, as you're getting on the bus right. or walking down the street. And, and I would say, you know, there's no need for it to be an either or there. Well, one thing I would, would want to do, and I think uh, Dr. Johnson does this sort of towards the end uh, of the interview, is, is point to the, the foundational church context for all this to say right. that. You know, one of the big problems that I remember I had when I was a, a younger Christian was assuming that the, the quiet time was the most important thing in my Christian life, mm -hmm. to the extent that if I missed a quiet time or something like that, I felt that I'd backslid or failed as a Christian. Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing in the Christian life is to be a regular member of the Christian community, to be right. in the church, hearing the word preached, taking the Lord's Supper that that should be the, the fundamental context for Christian health. So I, I would want to, to sort of take a step back and say the first thing to address in this is with, with students, it's not having a quiet time or you're integrating your, your academic seminary studies with, with uh, devotions, but are you a functioning member of a local church? How is that playing out? Having said that, I, I, I then think that, that a lot of what uh, Dr. Johnson said was, was good with that caveat of I don't think it's an either or. I think there has been a certainly perhaps for people of my generation. I don't know if it's uh, if it applies to, to the younger generation. There was a certain, to put it in, in its strongest terms, I suppose a certain idolatry of the quiet time mm -hmm. that it was the the central focal point. It it became something of a legalism. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that is something that, that is unfortunate. On the other hand, I do think that <clears throat> the idea of private devotional times is really rather good. I mean, mm -hmm. Jesus himself in Matthew 6 seems to kind of assume that, that, you, that you're going to be going into a room by yourself and praying. That's, that's what's going to make a contrast between you and those who do it in public in order to gain uh, public acclaim within the religious community. So I think the idea of... Uh, devotional time is good. He he drew 
he did make some comment about, you know, he didn't read the Bible every day mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes you know, once a week. I would say that's true for me, but I don't like that. It's only true for me sort of when I'm not prioritizing my time. Right? Yeah, that's kind of an uncomfortable part to read because I could identify with it. And I also, though, I think part of the point that he was saying was it's not that he's not just thinking like he's not thinking about God's word at all. But if you do take in that big gulp, as he calls it, let's say, and uh, it, it might take some time to, to reflect on that and meditate on that and, and study what you've already read um, instead of moving on to the next thing. Yeah. Which yeah. I thought that was a really good point in there. Because um, so often with me, I know, and sometimes I have to tell myself, though, Amy, just keep going. <laughs> you know, keep, but um, you know, so often you read something and, and and it's so profound and you do want to dig deeper there. You just want to let it kind of um, unfold in your mind over time um, and pray over, over that and just let it sink in before moving on to your next Bible reading. Like that part of it, I thought made a lot of sense. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I think that the idea of reading the Bible each day and getting familiar with with it on a regular basis is also yeah. a good thing. I mean, you, right. Meditating on individual passages or books is more fruitful when you have the overall context. The overall, the overall Which context. I, you know, I think that whole like read through the whole Bible in a year plan is is good to do every now and then because yeah. you you get that big picture then and you are moving on so that you see the whole story that's true although I, i've tried that i did that for a couple of years and yeah you, you, for some reason you fall behind by a week or two yeah. and then there's that back-breaking kind of slog where you where you just feel well i'm just reading these chapters in order to bring myself up to date on the mm-hmm. screen so uh, again there are you might need to push it to a year and a half (laughs) or something like that. I I set up my own scheme a couple of years ago where I just grind through the Bible, but I don't Mm -hmm. do it on a, it it isn't all done in a year. So that if I Mm -hmm. miss a couple of days, I'm not having to catch up 12 chapters or something like that. I just pick up where I left off effectively and carry on. Right. Uh, Well, I want to kind of go back on something that you said about how our devotion time can be such an isolating experience from the covenant community. Um, and talk maybe about the way that in our current context of Christian media and publishing, the, the books that are marketed to us for devotions, I think so often do that because they're very customized um, mm. for our individual tastes and individual experiences, you know, whether it's as a wife and a mother or as a teenager or as a single person. Um, there's all these different customized devotions out there. And I do think that they do tend to isolate us then from the whole covenantal context. Um, As we're doing that devotional time, it becomes more about um, my experiences. And so I, not only just the the way that we think about our Bible reading, but also the resources that we're using need need to be considered um, for our devotional time. Because there's some very good resources to use. But, um, we have to be discerning in how we pick those out. And I know, especially in the women's genre, um, there are some just really bad resources and very fluffy um, and kind of some of the things that Dr. Johnson was critiquing about um, our notions of devotional time are like amplified in these resources. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, I've tended over the years not to use, 
well, no, I've not tended to. I've never used those kind of uh, niche devotionals. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Calling would be the 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 apex of yeah. of ghastliness on that front. I mm-hmm. think both theologically and and uh, uh, stylistically. I have found over over the years though a couple of things very helpful. One, I find allowing the Psalms to guide my prayers mm. very very useful. Uh, I also find historic devotionals that are rooted in in historic texts to be very helpful as well. So Katrina and I, my wife and I at the moment, we're using uh, Nick Needham's uh, uh, devotional drawn from the early church fathers, which has Mm -hmm. a little reading each day drawn as a different father for each month. And the great thing about about history is it's very corrosive Mm. and rubbish gets eaten away by the acid of history so that what's left is generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. So we found that book very helpful. And I use, um, in, uh, at the moment, I've got this, it's actually lying on the desk in front of me, uh, the theological, God and man, the theological poetry of Gregory Nazianzus, which <laughs> sounds like a real page turner. Uh, <laughs> but it's actually, it's actually very good. Uh, mm-hmm. Nazianzus, of course, was one of the great early church fathers of the late fourth century, a Cappadocian. Uh, And his poetry is really a poetic expression of his Trinitarian theology. So Mm -hmm. I found that very helpful. And also the Book of Common Prayer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some years ago, I I took on a Sunday morning, I I get up, uh, I think it's the one day in the week when uh, Katrina uh, gets up after me. And and, uh, so I get a little bit of time by myself first thing in the morning. Uh, pour a cup of coffee, instant granules, of course, use the Ugh. instant granular coffee and sit in my chair and, and try to find the, the collect, the prayer for that Sunday mm-hmm. in the Book of Common Prayer, or maybe read one of the services from the Book of Common Prayer, the, the communion service, something like that. And I find uh, that the, the historic liturgy of the Anglican Church is great for sparking, sparking thoughts. And as I say, the good thing about these historic texts is uh, – the historically particular stuff mm-hmm. uh, tends to get lost in the mists of history. And what comes through is the perennial stuff that speaks across the ages. Now, the Book of Common Prayer contains some great prayers for very specific circumstances. Right. But a lot of it is just beautiful uh, devotional material that applies to all Christians everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to use the Valley of Vision a lot um, to kind of kick off my prayer for the day. Um, and so often, you know, reading one of those prayers in the Valley of Vision, you know, I'll stop, like I'll read it first and stop. And there's just so much to reflect on and meditate yeah. on in those prayers. The things that I, you know, I wouldn't have come up with on my own, um, but it leads me into more personal prayer afterwards they're very deeply theological and um very devotional as well so i find that to be really helpful for me um especially in helping my prayer life kind of take a step back from the narrow focus that i may have in coming to the lord and asking um for things or the specific praises that i have in my personal life which are very important to bring to him but um to take that step back and see that bigger picture of what of what he's done and what he's doing and, and who he is, um, I find that the Valley of Vision to be really good to help help me. Yeah, and I think this is also, it's, it's a lost art or a dying art, but this is where I think public prayer 
is important. It's mm. important for ministers or those leading in worship to think about how they lead their congregations in prayer. Both, I think, that's for theological. It's theologically important when a, a minister or a, or a worship leader leads a congregation in prayer, then there's a there's a, an imperative there to make sure that the congregation are led into the presence of God, so to speak, in an mm -hmm. appropriate way. But also I think those prayers should model uh, how uh, individuals pray themselves. Obviously, there's going to be a difference that even for the minister between the way he prays in public and the way he prays in private. But the kind of priorities one hopes would be reflected right. uh, uh, in, in prayer across the board on that front. And, you know, I taught for many years at a seminary and I don't think we ever, I was not aware of any classes that were ever taught. There may have been, but I was not aware of any classes that were ever taught on, on how to lead in prayer. And I think it's a very, very important part mm -hmm. of the worship service, both for being part of the worship service Mm -hmm. but also for setting uh, patterns and priorities for individuals when they return to their own home, go up into their own room and engage. Right. And as a layperson, I can say that is truly something that um, I pick up on and notice. And you know, one thing about my pastor that I noticed right away in his corporate prayers is how Trinitarian they mm. are yeah. and um, how he is uh, teaching us about the Trinity by the way he prays. And, and then also just how simply comes before the Lord in his requests, um, I think really models how, how simply we can ask the Lord yeah. in our own requests. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, there's a strongly didactic quality to, to pulpit prayer. Uh, mm -hmm. What about, let's, let's think, go back to Bible reading though. What, what, do you use a particular scheme for Bible reading or do you uh, see, this is just something open where, the Bible and read yeah. the verse that comes ahead and apply it to your life? This is something where I really appreciated Dr. Johnson's um, response because I very much incorporate my studies into my devotion time. Um, I don't have a de Bible devotion book that I use, but I definitely like to use commentaries. Um, so I think that kind of dives you deeper in and um, gives you more of that big picture as well while you're in it because good commentaries are always writing uh, with the whole big picture mm. in mind and, and cross-referencing and taking you to other places. So, I mean, if I'm just sitting down and want, having the goal to read through the Bible or read through um, books of the Bible, I'm just going to do that. But when I, I like to incorporate study along with that, um, and when I have my particular studies that I'm doing, um, I like to go on some rabbit trails and do things like that. And sometimes those rabbit trails are my devotions and those are awesome. I love doing that. But then also I think I need to be careful not to just follow my own kind of pet causes um, in, in theology. And so I think that it's very helpful. Um, our pastor uh, gives devotions uh, that we could do during the week according, you know, going along with what he's been preaching on through that book of the Bible or whether it's our Wednesday night study that we're doing, I like to kind of follow along with where my pastor's preaching or what we're studying on Wednesday night mm. or in the women's accountability group I'm in, we're, we're going through Hebrews right now. So there's just so many different places to take from um, that. Yeah. I don't really use a Bible devotional book. Interesting. Yeah, I started a few years ago using Luther's, the little Luther's breviary. It's a book that's put together of, of, uh, of comments from Luther, mm -hmm. but I never use it to, I've never used it to guide my actual Bible reading because it tends mm -hmm. to be a comment on a particular verse. Okay. So I've tended to, uh, 
tend to set my own Bible reading schemes, usually trying to get something from the New Testament, something from the Old Testament, and then a psalm. Yeah. Uh, and then my wife and I will read till we have devotional time together. Mm-hmm. We will read from another book. At the moment, we happen to be going through the Psalms together. Mm-hmm. We will read from uh, another book. So that's, I do think it's important for Christians to, to make sure that they familiarize themselves with the, the Old Testament. Right. Too. And one of the advantages of those Bible reading schemes is it takes you to places of the Bible where you wouldn't normally go. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Who's, you know, if I said to you, what's your favorite book of the Bible reading? You're not going to say Leviticus, probably. You know? I've been in there lately uh, and I've been really yeah. excited about Leviticus. I will have well, to say. <laughs> I haven't picked up any feminist outrage in Leviticus, actually. So I'm surprised <laughs> that it's one of your favorites. You so know, or, or, theology or, about you know, the woman in, in, in Leviticus. So, oh, that's true. There's a lot of. And, but Ezekiel, Ezekiel would be another book, you know, all that measuring. What on earth do <laughs> that as a, as a, a measuring emotional is level? But uh-huh. the great thing about those Bible reading schemes is it, perhaps it's too strong a word, but it forces you right, to right. read the bits of the Bible that you personally find a bit mm-hmm. boring or a bit abstract. Or, yeah. So that's, uh, that's something that I think is, is advantageous. Either to, mm-hmm. If you're using somebody else's scheme or setting up your own scheme, make sure that it takes you to chunks of the Bible that you would naturally avoid yeah. given the choice. That's why... Yeah, you've got to be careful not just to follow your own pet theological studies in, in yeah. all your devotion time. Yeah. Well, what a, yeah. There was another point he made um, that I wanted to talk about. And, and it's not, I don't think we should say either or or in place of reading the Bible, but he added the importance of service um, included as devotional time to the Lord yeah. because it's something that takes you outside of yourself. And um, it does bring you closer to the Lord. And, and so he talked about ways that his church does that and serving the community around him and the ways that he tries to uh, focus on his service as a husband, as yeah. a father, as a neighbor. Yeah, I think that was a good point. And it takes me back to, to where I started with the emphasis on the corporate, that, uh, mm-hmm. that we shouldn't uh, make the devotional time, the essence of our Christian faith and everything else, just an add on extra. I think it's life within the body of the church. You know, one of the things that, that most irritates me about stuff that's written online about the church is I just have a sneaking suspicion that some of the people who are shouting the odds about the church, this, that, and the other are probably not on the trash roster or the nursery roster or the greeting roster uh, or the the cleanup roster in the church they go to, if indeed they go to a church regularly, some of them. Uh, and I think his point there about uh, seeing devotion really as, uh, well, or seeing Bible reading and prayer as, as, as a component part of a much more holistic view of what it is to be a Christian. Right. Uh, and seeing that ecclesiastically was very, very powerful. You know, there are people who scream about uh, the racism of the church online. And then there's guys like uh, Dr. Johnson who are, you know, uh, setting up a youth group in the church for kids from the projects every Wednesday. You know, who's the person really reflecting Christ in those situations? Um, I was very, very struck by by that particular comment. Again, without wanting to turn Christianity into mere community or social activism, or even church activism, but saying mm-hmm. it's you know we we tend to. A little bit like some people will talk about a church service. They'll say, well, the worship was great, but the preaching was awful. 
Right, like that and wasn't you want to say, well, actually, the preaching was part of the worship. Or I, you know, I remember at Christian Union at college, people say, well, I, I, the, the rubbish is the, the 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 worship is always terrible, so I turn up for the preaching. And you say, no, it's it's they're, they're two parts they go together, same, yeah, the same whole. And I think that his his point there was a good one that mm-hmm. uh, we need to understand uh, devotional time as as a component part of a much larger conception of what Christian devotion really is. Right. I mean, if you are faithful and let's say you get up before the rest of the family even and you you put in a 15-minute devotional time, um, when you stand up from that, is your devotion time over? Like, was that it? Um, And I do think the way that um, it's framed a lot of the times does convey that message that that little space was your devotion time to the Lord, not not your – that we're called to do that all day. And, and, and even that little space then um, is more about what you're getting out of it than um, the whole reciprocity that should be going on there um, within God's word, but also within the covenant community and, and then serving the outside world and, and, and in our homes in all those different ways. How is that also um, devotion? to the Lord. I do think that we've kind of cut that off a little bit when we talk yeah. about devotion time. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, uh, that, that's very important because of course, when you look at the new Testament, a lot of the focus in the new Testament is on the love Christians have for each other, how they behave mm-hmm. to each other. Uh, Paul's applications at the end of his letters are typically not so go away and have a 20 minute quiet time. Right. Every day. His applications are husbands, love your wives, mm-hmm. uh, look after the poor, th- these kind of things. So uh, right. I, I think we, we need to, again, as, as, as I've said, uh, bring uh, the idea of the quiet time or the devotional time back into a framework of a much broader understanding of what, what Christian devotion is. Uh, I would say that, that, as I said, I, I appreciated the interview very much, but I, I do think, um, I still want to say, I do think reading the Bible every day is a good thing. Of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, I cannot put my hand on my heart and say that I don't do that. There have been periods in my life when I've not read the Bible for extended mm-hmm. periods, but they've always been periods of my life when, I, uh, which I don't look back on and think, yeah, I was particularly spiritually strong at that point. Well, there are generally points where you're drifting. Moms with little kids, especially babies and toddlers, um, they really feel guilty about this sometimes. Yeah, and they should In a way they shouldn't. And, and, and I, this, is, this perpetuates that kind of guilt. Um, you know, they might even carve away that time. Oh, man, I remember so much want, you know, craving that time. But then, you know, that's exactly when the baby wants to start crying. That's exactly yeah. when they need a diaper change. It's exactly when they're not going to take their nap the way they're supposed to or, or whatever. Or maybe someone calls with a need or, or something like that. And you but, see, if, um, if you were Luther, you'd think that the baby had come out, that the devil had come along at that point, just pinched the baby's toe to make him cry. <laughs> to distract oh, trust him. me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is total spiritual warfare yeah, right yeah. now. But I mean, no, I, I do believe, especially moms with young children, um, yeah. really struggle with that. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the point I'm making is not that one. I, I think we all understand there are times, even, you know, you've got a job, there are pressure right. deadlines to meet, there right. are certain priorities you have to have. But I think, uh, you know, if I'm honest, the times in my life where I've not read the Bible for a week, two weeks, three weeks, it's generally been because I've been drifting away. 
So I, I, I want to sort of, yeah, accept that yeah, right. we're not going to read the Bible every day because things press in. We just, right. people call, et cetera, et cetera. On the other hand, I think we, we, we need to be careful that we don't always use that as an excuse for right. neglecting the basic disciplines of the Christian life. It's never like an easy answer here, right? I mean, no. with most of these things, it's, it's pushing forward and using discernment and wisdom and, and being able to self-evaluate um, our own. I think that's, that's what this calls for really yeah, is yeah. let's evaluate how our, how our time in the word is yeah. personally. Yeah. Well, we, we hope this discussion has been of some help. Uh, Christian devotional time is a perennial interest to, to all of us. One would, one would imagine. And the ability to, to balance or to integrate devotional life with the hectic schedules or schedules, if I can translate <laughs> the American audience, <laughs> The hectic schedules that many of us have uh, is is something that everybody wrestles with at some point in their Christian life. So uh, we'll post a link to the interview with uh, with Drew Johnson. Hope you go and read that. There's a lot of wisdom, a lot of thought provoking stuff there. Uh, if you go to our website, mortificationofspin.org, you have a chance to not to win a bottle of Kiehl's Age Defender Moisturizer. Unfortunately, that's too expensive and it won't, uh, it doesn't comport with the Alliance's mission, uh, <laughs> which is, is to, to uh, promote the gospel rather than merely combat wrinkles. Uh, but you will get a chance to win uh, the Valley of Vision, the great collection of prayers drawn primarily, I think, from the Puritans, which was published by Banner of Truth and has been a, a perennial bestseller for them for many, many years now. So if you go to our website, mortificationofspin.org, uh, feel led to make a donation, please do so. There's a button there. We are uh, listener-supported, but also enter for a copy of A Valley of Vision. If you don't win... Uh, please buy a copy if you don't own one because you will find it to be a source of uh, great wisdom and great help in, in your own devotional life. In the meantime, it only remains for us to wish you well for the coming week and hope that you will join us again next Wednesday. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about Never in my wildest dreams. Did I think that the celebrity culture in Reformed Evangelicalism, the latest stage would be stories circulating about a mega church evangelical pastor attempting to hire a hitman? That interview is next time. Join us then. Katrina bought what she thought was Gautier perfume and then found out it was actually Gautier poor om. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was annoyed that they'd obviously ripped off my body for the bottom. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> wow, it's forty dollars. Oh wow! No, Ooh, we probably yeah. can't do a giveaway. <laughs> so we need like an MOS aging cream. We, Todd and I need to release our own line yeah. of male grooming <laughs> products. <laughs> Obviously. Years ago at Reformation 21, I used to put up these spoof references to a magazine, Reformed Man Today. And I'd say, you know, lovely picture of Mark Dever on the cover, you know, reviewing sunglasses. We would get people emailing the Alliance saying, I've been to Barnes and Noble and they can't find a magazine. <laughs> can you tell me how I can get a subscription? Oh, that's terrible. Oh, my goodness. <laughs>